Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. Jesus is king. Isn't he? Look at somebody and say, Jesus is king. Whether you feel like it or not, go ahead and tell them, whether you feel like it or not, Jesus is king. Do you love the worship team? Thank you guys for being awesome. <clears throat> I just want to tell you tonight, um, on behalf of my wife and I, pastors, um, we love you so much you have no idea. So just want to let you know that. And I don't just say that like flippantly or like, you know, you're supposed to say that. I just, tonight, I've just felt such a deep appreciation and love for you. And I just want you to know I love you. Um, whether you've been here forever or whether it's your first time, I love you. And it's not just because you look good either. because you're awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I think one of the most important things we can do as believers is to abide in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, remain in, or, remain in me and I will remain in you, right? And what's interesting in John 15 is he says, I am the vine and you are the... Now, what's fascinating about that is where does the branch come from? Was that you, Morgan? Yes, the branch comes from where? The vine. How many know, first of all, say I'm a branch. Okay, so if you're a branch, how many know a branch literally has to come out of the vine in order to exist? You're like, Jake, that's nice, but what are you saying? In John chapter 1, verse 3, actually in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. In verse 3 it says, Through him... How many things were created? All things. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Are you a thing? (laughs) It's not a trick question. Are you a thing? Were you made? Your existence literally went through the very heart of Jesus Christ. maybe, Maybe this is too elementary. I don't know. But I was reading this week. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. And I was thinking about John 1, I was thinking about Ephesians 2.10, I was thinking about Psalm 139, and I was thinking, man, guys, we came out of Jesus. We didn't just come out of our mom. (laughs) Isn't that something? That's good stuff right there. Um, I had had this word come into my heart tonight. I feel like there's there's somebody here, this isn't my message at all, but I feel like there's somebody here who has been um, struggling with the ability to hear the voice of God. Like, um, that sounded like maybe somebody. Just kidding. <laughs> um, that's, that's awesome, though. I, it was almost like what I felt was like was this. As if you're talking to God, as if you're talking to God on the phone, and he muted his microphone. Have you ever been on the phone with somebody? And you're like, hey, are you there? I, do, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Check your mic. Make sure you didn't mute it. Check. Are you there? Oh, there you are. You know what I'm saying? And I was feeling that tonight, like there's somebody here who's had a hard time hearing the voice of God, and it feels as though you know he's speaking, but it's like he muted his microphone so that you can't hear him or something. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Okay, that's that's amazing. Thank you for being honest. I have something that I want to share with you. This is what came into my heart. Out of nowhere, 
okay? And it's this. If you want to hear the voice of God, and I encourage you to write this down, okay? To be a student of the voice of God, we must first be a student of the word of God. In order to be a student of the voice of God, we must first be a student of the word of God. Say amen. How many know without a foundation, a structure is very dangerous? We can't take, we, we, God wants, he wants us to learn his rhema voice, but first we have to be thorough in the logos. And notice I said student, not scholar. That's good, right? Just be a student. So um, if, you, if you raised your hand, just stand up right where you are. I just want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I just break off any sort of lies that we have believed that we can't hear your voice. Lord, we repent of that tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, I rebuke any, any sort of faith. Lord, sometimes we can have more faith in our inability to hear you than we do in our ability to hear you. Lord, you said, my sheep know my voice. They follow me and I know them. So, Lord, we just bless their ears. Let them, they have ears, let them hear in Jesus' name. So, Lord, thank you. And I just pray that they would experience a more deep, more passionate hunger for your word than they've ever experienced in their entire lives, Lord. I pray that they would crave your word more than they crave any meal of the day. Lord, I pray that they would try to go to bed at night, but then they would, the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would remind them, hey, you didn't open up that word. Get that word in you tonight before you lay your head on your bed. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would just cultivate that hunger within them. And I thank you that as we seek, we will find in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless y'all. Oh, so good. Okay. Speaking of the word, go ahead and grab it, would you? Grab your Bible. Did you bring your Bible? It's good to bring your Bible to church. If you brought your Bible and your neighbor didn't hit them with yours. How many, how many brought your Bible? Let me see. How many got it? Hold it up real nice and high like you're proud. I like that one over there. Oh, man, look at all these Bibles. Say, this is my Bible. It's more than a book. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. When I read this book, it actually reads me because it's more than a book. It's a person. In Jesus' name, Mark 25. I changed my mind, Matthew 25. (laughs) How many know we need to base our our beliefs, our theology, and our doctrine off of the Word of God and not our experiences? If you pray for somebody and they don't get, let's say you pray for somebody that's sick, you pray for them and you have faith, and you even believe you have a size mustard seed of faith, and they don't get healed, how many know that doesn't change what the Word says? How many know that doesn't change the blood of Jesus? No, our experience does not validate the Word. The Word validates our experience. Matthew 25, I just want to read something with you, and then I want to, uh, we'll see where we go. Matthew 25, are you there? All right, starting in verse 14. Bobby Connor, by the way, he said something that changed my life. He said, when you read your Bible, he said, actually he said, Sam, get you a paper Bible. Check. He said, get you, there's nothing wrong with you version, there's nothing wrong with your iPhone, there is something wrong with your Android James, you know what's up, man of God, all right? 
There's nothing wrong with those, again, except Android. But he said, when you read the Word, make sure you get yourself a paper Bible. He said, open it up. Run your fingers through it when you're reading it. But more than anything, as you're reading it, picture yourself in it. Like, think about it. Think, what was the climate like, you know? Were people angry? Were people happy? Was it hot? Was it cold? Were they on a mountain? Were they in a valley? What was happening? You know what I'm saying? So it's very, very important as you read. So as we read this, just, just picture Jesus. These words are in red. How many know those are the best words ever? In verse 14, he's, he starts a parable. And how many know a parable is just a story? He's using a story to communicate a truth. And he says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Say his goods. Say he's got the goods. <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny. Okay. And uh, to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money, his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done. Say, well done. Good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done. Say, well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there, you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him, and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he who has abundance, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Whew, that was a lot. Are you still with me? Can somebody demonstrate gnashing of teeth? I've always wondered what that looks like. Nobody wants to? Hmm. All right, no problem. <laughs> um, I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I, can, can I tell you a story? I just want to, I've debated whether or not I want to share this in my own heart, you know, because I figured I, I might look like an idiot. Um, but I'm kind of used to it, so I think I'll share it anyway. What do you think? <laughs> um, so I, uh, I went to the School of Evangelism. It's the ministry of Reinhard Bonnke. Raise your hand if you've heard of Reinhard Bonnke. Yeah, amazing. Um, I respect men and women who start well and finish better. 
Um, so anyway, I went to his school of evangelism. It was really amazing, but it was only a week-long course. And what they had at the same time was this three-month boot camp. And it was really intense. It was like all day, every day, really intense. Like you go early in the morning to work out. They have you spend like hours with the Lord. They teach you about how to read the Bible. They teach you theology and doctrine and all that stuff. Really amazing. And they equip you to go and actually do crusades in Africa. So I'm there. I'm just like, I'm like the C-team guy, you know, because <laughs> I'm doing only the, the school. I'm not there for the boot camp. And there's like, there's a couple of us that are there for just the school and, and some for the, actually only a third was there for the boot camp. Am I going too fast? Okay. So I get there the very first day. I'm there really, really, really early. I'm like an hour early before like the doors even opened. I'm like, I'm here and I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? So I'm there. I'm waiting. And then this guy comes walking up and his name is Daniel. And I said, hey, Daniel, how are you? Not Daniel Kalenda, um, but different Daniel, Mexican Daniel, actually. So he came up and it was so cool. So we actually, we started talking and we have a mutual friend. My best man went to college with him. Uh, and he's, act- he's from Mexico, but he's done some stuff in the States or whatever, but he's there for the boot camp. And so we, had a, we built this friendship on, in front of the doors of CFAN. And uh, anyway, we go in, and he's like, hey, save a seat for me. I'm like, okay, for sure. So anyway, we became friends and all of that. And I had rented a car, so I was giving rides to some people, built some uh, friendships with other guys who were doing the boot camp. <clears throat> You're like, Jake, why are you talking about all this? I'm getting somewhere. I promise. So... Um, all of that happened, and I started to have, excuse me, the, the, the school was finished, and it was really powerful. Literally changed my life. Completely changed my life. And um, before that, I had dreams about the boot camp, and I was like, man, I, I know I'm called to evangelism, and I don't think, I don't know if they would accept me, but I think I should maybe apply. I don't know, you know? And so anyway, but I didn't. I just did the school, came back. I, stepped, I kept thinking about it. I kept having these dreams. And I was like, man, I think I might need to do this boot camp thing. I don't know. So I was, I was mentioning it to my wife, and she's kind of like, do you remember what your response was? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'd be gone for three months, you know. And uh, I wouldn't want me gone for three months either. <laughs> but she, uh, no, but she's like, no, I don't, I don't, honestly, like, I don't feel like that's God. And I'm like, I think it is. And so um, listen to your wives, man. Listen to your wives. So anyway, um, and all the wives said, y'all were quiet, man. That was your moment. Um, but anyway, and then I go to Pastor Shar and I, I share it with her. And remember your response? She was like, you know, Jake, like, we love you and we support you no matter what you want to do. But to be honest with you, I don't feel like that's God. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Pastor Bob was saying the same thing. I'm like, I swear it's a God thing. Like, it's, it's, it's awesome. And I was like, I was like, we can, I can go and I can learn how to do these crusades. We have churches all over the world. World Harvest Church, by the way, is not just in Rice Lake. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> we're everywhere. Like, we're literally, we're reaching all seven continents with the gospel right now. Literally, Antarctica, the penguins are getting saved. It's a revival. Yeah. Um, but we actually are reaching Antarctica, but not the penguins. Um, they're doomed for eternal. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I love penguins. They're saved, whatever. So, um, but we're, we're all over the world, so I was like, I can go do this, this boot camp. I can learn how to do this from the best. It's like the opportunity to learn from the best in, in that industry, if you will. And then we can go in all of our churches around the world. We could do these crusades, and it'll be amazing. And I'll never forget what Pastor Shar said. She's like, that's awesome, and crusades are amazing, and we love that. But that's not, that's not us. She's like, that's not us. That's not, how we, that's not how we do evangelism. We build friendships. We do the vision. And at first I was like, dang rejected again. But how many know when you submit yourself to authority, 
There is blessing and favor that you can never even imagine getting on your own. If you're going to be an island Christian off doing your own thing, it's, it's not going to work out too well. We need to be submitted under an authority. And I know in, the, in America we have a hard time with that, you know, but uh, the apostles didn't. Apostle Paul didn't, right? Um, so anyway, I say all this to say I was recently on Facebook. And uh, by the way, I didn't go to the boot camp if you didn't notice. So... Um, uh, but, but I actually, ha- I, re- I regained an even more deep love for the vision. And I, I, I've been, we've been doing it, we're doing our thing and everything. But anyway, I was on Facebook to like post something for a relay or something like that. And I saw my friend Daniel had a post, right? Now he was on this stage in front of thousands of people just shredding it with the gospel. I mean, he was bringing it, man. And people, people so, there were thousands that got saved, thousands that were delivered. He had a word of knowledge about a, uh, uh, this girl that grew up in a, in a witch home and all of this stuff or whatever. And there was a lady there that fit his word of knowledge to a T out of the thousands of people. And she ended up giving her life to Jesus Christ that night. So I'm, watch, I'm reading these posts. I'm watching the videos. I'm seeing the pictures. And my first instinct is like, gosh, this is amazing. Hell's going to have a bad day in Africa, you know. But then instantly, honestly, after this, all of a sudden, I felt discouraged. You're like, how could you be discouraged about that? I know, this is where you're going to think I'm an idiot, okay? But I was looking at it, and I was like, that could have been me. Honestly, like, that's, that's how I felt, okay? Now, I understand how prideful that is. I understand, okay? Trust me, I just lived through it, all right? <laughs> and I went to my wife, uh, and I said, my love, I, I know the answer. I know the answer, but I'm just telling you. Because I, actually, I sent that post, like, to various friends and everything, and I was like, this is amazing, right? And I went to my, and I sent it to my wife, and I was like, I know the answer, but I'm discouraged. And she's like, what are you discouraged about? And I, I just, I shared with her. Literally, I go in, I don't remember if it was that night or if it was the next day. Can I tell you what happened? Do you, do you think less of me? We're doing okay? All right, cool. <laughs> so I go into my, my prayer time, and I'm like, Lord, I'm discouraged. Like, I know that I did what, what you've called me to do. I'm, I'm staying I stayed, and I'm, I'm doing the vision. And I just feel like my fruit is so small compared to these guys where they had hundreds of thousands in attendance, and then they led hundreds of thousands to you. Documented salvations, Lord. I haven't even led a 1,000 to Jesus myself in eight years. They did it in one week. Lord, I've, I feel like my fruit is nothing. Have you ever been there? Come on, have you ever looked at somebody else's fruit and then looked at your own and felt like you weren't doing jack? Okay, so I'm talking to somebody. I'm going somewhere. But here's what happened. I go into prayer, and I'm sharing this with the Lord, and I'm telling you what, he hit me like a freight train. Has that ever happened to anybody? Does anybody need a freight train tonight? A Jesus freight train, right? I like those. I was in prayer, and the Lord said to me, he said, who said your fruit was any less than his? And I, I, I was like, <laughs> you ever go into prayer and you feel pretty confident? All of my confidence vaporized. And he said, why do you think that fruit is any better than yours because there's thousands of people in front of him? You think, you think that means that his fruit is bigger or better than yours? You think because there's more shares on his post than on Facebook that he's more fruitful than you? And instantly the Holy Spirit took me back to the passage that we just read about the parable of the talents. Now, I'm, I've, I grew up in athletics. I grew up pretty competitive. Anybody else in here? 
Okay, nobody else? Oh, okay. All right, a few of us. All right, everybody else, you're just like pretending because you're in church. You're like, I'm not competitive. No, I'm a Christian. <clears throat> Competitiveness in the church is illegal. And comparing fruit, your fruit to somebody else's fruit is illegal. If he is the vine and I am the branch, how many know that the fruit, it's not, you, the branch can't even take credit for the fruit. How many know the life-giving nutrients have to actually have to travel up through the vine and through the branch and out through the fruit? No matter how hard you try, you cannot produce anything in and of yourself. Amen? It is the nutrients of Jesus Christ down in the root system with the Holy Spirit and with the Father and Jesus himself. He distributes everything that's necessary through you to get to others. Woo! So I started I, instantly. The Holy Spirit took me to this this. Uh, parable of the talents. And I, as a competitive guy, I always read this and I thought, man, sucks to be the guy that got one. <laughs> For real. I'm like, man, Lord, I'm the guy with 10 or with five, right? I'm the guy with five. You give me five according to my ability, right, Lord? I'm, I'm, I guess I'm being, I guess I'm, I'm y'all might think of me differently after this message. I'm thinking about that as I'm preaching. I don't really care. <laughs> uh, but let, let, me, let me just share this with you really quick. This is kind of practical, and I hope that it helps you understand kind of the magnitude of this. Like a talent at this time was equivalent. Um, it, it's kind of hard to pinpoint how much a talent actually was. By the way, the talent was money if you didn't pick that up. Uh, it's not like he gave like guitar ability, five guitar abilities to the, to the one guy and, and all of that. No, he, it, he gave money. And by the guy, in order, when Jesus was telling this, it, you'd have to be incredibly wealthy to go on journeys like this guy was going on, incredibly wealthy. So there really is no small sum, according to this, this guy who's, who owns all of these uh, talents. But one, or excuse me, five talents was equivalent to roughly thirty to 50,000 denarii. Do you know how much that is equivalent to today in U.S. dollars? Based off of the federal minimum wage, working like a 40-hour week, so eight hours a day, so 725, eight hours a day, roughly that's 1.74 million at the lowest so this is Jesus, right? He's talking to all these farmers and lepers and stuff. And he's like, so a guy left for his vineyard, whatever. I don't know, a vineyard? Anyway, vineyard's not in there. <laughs> it's, a different, it's a different chapter. But he's like, eh, and he gave this one guy a minimum of $1.74 million. And everyone's like, what? That's unheard of. And at maximum, it, it would have been almost $3 million. The two talents would have been equivalent to just under 700000 at the lowest. And one talent would have been right around $350,000 at the lowest. Again, that's based on the just minimum wage, working eight hours a day. So how many know even just one talent is tremendous? It's, it's a tremendous amount of money, okay? And how many know this? God determines what he gives to us. Like, I don't get to pick if he gives me five. I don't get to pick if he gives me two, three, one, four, ten. It's not up to me. It's not about who is given more or ended with more. The point is that the person with five and the person with two stewarded their portion proportionately. They are equally as impressive. Are you hearing me tonight? The man with one talent didn't need to produce ten. He didn't even need to produce one more. He just needed to produce something. All he needed to do was produce something. Just to bring the master pleasure, all he had to do was put it in the bank. Just get a little bit of interest, and, and he would have been like, hey, that's pretty good. Good job. 
the point here is to steward whatever God gives you. Maybe he gives you a globally recognized ministry, and if he does, praise God, steward it well. Maybe he gives you kids to raise. Steward that well. He's not looking at what we look at. He's just wondering if what he gives you, what are you going to do with it? Heaven loves multiplication. So it's just stewardship. So, the, so, so I'm, I'm discouraged about this, and instantly I'm like, oh, wait a second. Actually, you know what? We're not doing so bad, are we, Pastor Shar? We're, we're doing pretty good, honestly. Like as a, I, I should stop. All right. Yes, ma'am, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I was, I was actually thinking about, I'm a math guy. Is anybody else a math guy? Okay, so like I, Jesus was a math guy, obviously. So um, he just uses a different calculator than us. Write that down. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was awesome. I'm on a roll myself. Redhard Bunky says, if you don't like my preaching, I like mine anyway. <laughs> Whatever, I'm not going to get into that. But the point is, what is in your hand? That's the question I want to ask you tonight. What's in your hand? And I'm not asking you quantity. I'm asking you, what is in your hand? In Exodus chapter 4, let's see if I can go here quick. You can write it down if you want. You don't have to turn there. But in Exodus 4, God just got done telling Moses what he wanted him to do as far as delivering the Israelites from the oppression of the uh, Egyptians. So he's, he's given them the plan, and everything's going good. And then it says in verse 1 of Exodus 4, Then Moses answered and said, But has God ever told you to do something, challenged you in something, and even maybe planted a seed inside you that felt so much bigger than yourself? You're like, there's no way I would ever be able to do that. That definitely just happened with Moses. He was a felon on the run. He just murdered a guy, and he's a shepherd out shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. He went from the palace out to the wilderness. And God's like, I'm going to use you to deliver all of, the, all of my people. And he's like, i got to go back. You know? I'm going to die. But for real, God planted something incredible inside of his heart, and he couldn't, he couldn't wrap his brain around it. He said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Come on, does anybody ever talk like this? <laughs> but God, what if I don't have the money? And what if they say no to me? And what if I get rejected? And what if I don't know what to do? And what if every single door I go to just doesn't seem to open? What am I going to do when I try to do what you call me to do? And it just seems like I'm running off of running into dead ends. Anybody ever been there? But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. I shouldn't make fun of them. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Do you think God forgot to put his contacts in? I think he's like, I can't, I can't see that. <sighs> Moses, what is that in your hand? Can't see, I, I dropped my contacts. Michael, will you get my contacts? Did that happen? No, God sees just fine. Why do you think he asked him that? Because Moses need to under, he needed to understand that what was in his hand may have been ordinary, but in the hands of God, it can be extraordinary. He needed to know that what was in his hand may be just something natural to him, but in reality, when it's given to God and when he commissions you to go, what was natural becomes supernatural. 
Come on, somebody. This is good news, man. So he said, what is that in your hand? And then Moses said, what? He said, a rod. (laughs) A rod. This is the God we serve. (laughs) And I love him, don't you? Now, it's interesting. It's, it's, It's What, what did Moses do with the rod? What are some things that he did? Come on. Parted the sea with it. That's a pretty good miracle. I haven't done that yet. Anybody else? He struck the rock and water came out of it. Threw it on the ground. Yeah, it got, he, he used it. God had him use it to, to glorify the Lord and to show Pharaoh what was up. Remember that? Now, here's what's interesting. I think of, let me say this. Don't ever try to use what is in somebody else's hand. Just use what's in your hand. Okay? For example, think of King David. When Goliath was standing before him, he didn't say, "Mm, Moses had great victory in the wilderness. He brought the Israelites out of captivity. We need to get out of captivity. He used a rod. I need a rod. He didn't go look for a rod, even though he was a shepherd and he was familiar with rods. No, no, no. What did he grab? What was in his hand? Slingshot, baby. See, in your, in your battle, you might, not, you might not use something that I use. You have something different in your hand is all that I'm saying. And it's interesting that even with David, it wasn't always the slingshot. How many know sometimes it was the sword of Goliath to finish him off, huh? How many know it was his sword to slay thousands, huh? How many know he used a harp? See, what's in your hand? I think I'm think I'm thinking of like a million people in the Bible right now that had stuff in their hands that did crazy stuff. The first one that comes to mind is the boy with the loaves and the fishes. Turn with me to John chapter six in your Bible, would you? What's in your hand? That's my question for you tonight, and I pray that you write that down. What's in your hand? Actually, write three questions down if you're taking notes. Write these three questions. First question, what's in my hand? Actually, just, I'm going to say it like this. What's in your hand? Write that down. What's in your hand? Second question, what are you doing with it? And number three, what can God do with it? What's in your hand? What are you doing with it? And what can God do with it? You guys get all those? Okay. <clears throat> In John chapter 6, verses, I'm going to start in just verse 1 here. Are you guys okay if we read more Bible? All right. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is in the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? You think Jesus forgot his context too? He was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I need some problem-solving abilities right now. (laughs) These guys look hungry. The Passover's coming. We need some appetizers. Philip, what do you think? Not funny at all? That's fine. Look at this next verse. It says in verse 6, but this he said to test him. How many know God does test us? People say, oh, God doesn't test you. We're in the new covenant. No, he tests you, bro. He may not tempt you. He will not tempt you. 
but he will test you. And how many know he only tests you because he loves you? And he knows that you have the answer inside of you, right? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. See, even if you don't know what Jesus is going to do, he does. Even if you're not sure how he's going to meet an impossible need in your life, he has the answer. Even if you don't know, don't think you failed the test. Just answer him. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. That every one of them may have a little. By the way, he's got a different calculator than Jesus again, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, one of his disciples, we need a t-shirt with a big calculator on it. I don't know how we can, what else we would, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Okay. <sighs> one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? By the way, did you know that this young man literally altered the, the whole course of history? This lad? How many know he doesn't have a name? That's really something, isn't it? I was thinking about this side note. Can I take a, just a side note? I feel like this is important, okay? This is, what, this is what I'm thinking, all right? In the Old Testament, how many know most of the characters were assigned names? We knew their name, right? Most, most people, as I'm thinking about it, most people in the Old Testament, their identity was disclosed, right? Isn't it interesting that in the Gospels, there are so many people whose names are not disclosed? Aside from Jesus, aside from his family and the disciples and maybe a few others, but there are other, the names of so many others aren't disclosed. This guy, this lad here, didn't even have a name. But he was used by God to alter the course of history. What about the woman with blood? The blood issue. Her story. Myra, World Harvest Inside Joke. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry. But she, she didn't have a name in the Bible. It wasn't recorded, right? But yet her story has been shaking millions and billions for 2,000 years, right? Who else? Who are some other people that the names weren't given? The centurion who actually made Jesus marvel at his faith, the only person that Jesus marveled at his faith, the only time that he marveled at somebody's faith was this guy, didn't have a name. What else? What was that? Yes, the woman who got caught in the act of adultery, but God used her story to preach grace to all of humanity. No name. What else? The Samaritan woman. Great, great idea. Hello. The Samaritan woman went and she led a whole village to Jesus. Her name wasn't mentioned. And she was the first person that Jesus revealed himself to publicly as the Messiah. By the way, she's a woman. Don't get me started. <laughs> How about the woman with the alabaster jar? Woman. <clears throat> the, <clears throat> sorry, my throat. The woman with the alabaster jar... Remember Jesus, what he said about her? He said, but this woman does, any time the gospel is preached, this will be mentioned. But her name was, her ne was never mentioned. Why? Why was it that all these names in the Old Testament were recorded? And, I mean, you read through the genealogies, man, they're everywhere. But in the New Testament, the only geology that's mentioned is Jesus. Why is that? Because in the, old, in the Old Covenant, it's all about man trying to do man's thing. But in the New Covenant, we have a better covenant, and it's the name of Jesus who's the name above every single name. He's the only name that matters. So it's not about me being some famous guy on a stage or you having your name in the paper. It's all about lifting up the name of Jesus and making him famous everywhere we go. <clears throat> Just a side note. Verse, where were we, guys? Help me out here. 
Or verse, ten, or verse 9, yeah, there was a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Wrong calculator. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. By the way, wanted is a key word there. It was as much as they wanted, not as much as they needed. That's interesting. God doesn't want you to prosper. Tell that to Solomon. I got to stay on track, y'all. I'm getting all over the place here. So when they were filled, filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that, you ever been reading the Bible and it's like every single word is just like blowing up in your face? God help us. Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, Truly, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. What was in his hand? It was just a couple loaves of bread and fish. That's all it took. That's all it took. And that's the question tonight is what's in your hand? And how can you steward that like in the parable of the talents? You know the guy that had the one talent? Remember when he said, here, there, you have what is yours? Remember when he said that? Because remember when Jesus showed up and he's like, hey, bring, bring what you got. And he showed up. Remember? We just read it. You got to read it again or are you okay? All right. So because he said, remember he said, there, you have what is yours, right? So he went, okay, I'm going to help you out. In America, like when we want to make a deal on a transaction or something, we shake hands on it, right? We got a deal, right? That, that just communicates we got a deal. We just got done bartering. You want to buy my shoes. We got a good deal. I want yours, whatever. Okay. In Jewish custom, back then, when they would say, you have what is yours, in Jewish tradition, that was a, that was a, a, a way in transaction to say, I am no longer responsible for this. He had the responsibility to steward what God gave him. He chose to bury it in the ground. And he looked at the master and he said, I no longer have responsibility over this. But the other two, they didn't relinquish, they they took responsibility for what was given to them. We got to take responsibility for what's given to us. And if if we don't use it, guess what's going to happen? I, I didn't write the book, okay? This is Jesus If we don't use what God gave us, he's going to take it from us and give it to somebody that will use it. I don't know about you. Say, Lord Jesus, I will use what you gave me to the best of my abilities in Jesus' name. So this boy had a couple loaves and a couple fish. And the best way, let me, this is all I'm going to, this is all I'm trying to say tonight. The best way to steward what God gave you is this. Give it to Jesus. Just give it to Jesus. He'll take it from there. That's it. Maybe, maybe you, what, I, was, I wrote down some ideas, okay, because I'm trying to think of this through your perspective. How many know it's really easy to look through life through your own eyes? I was trying to look at it through the lives of the church. I'm trying to see it from a different perspective. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe somebody in here 
you, you're, you're in the education field. Maybe that's what's in your hand. Maybe you're a teacher or you're somehow connected to the school. Well, if you steward that well and you show, you impart the love of God to students and to faculty, God himself will use you and put you in positions to actually make decisions that can alter the school system, that will bring honor to God. How many know we need teachers? We need, we need kingdom of God representatives in the education system. Maybe you're in here and you've got a business idea and you've had it kind of circulating within you and you're like, man, I kind of want to do it, but I'm not really sure. Listen, if you do what God's put inside of you, maybe God will actually, maybe he'll use that to help fund the kingdom. Ah, I got I to gotta keep going here. Maybe, maybe you have a cell group and maybe you're like, man, I don't have like this big, old, amazing ministry or whatever and I don't ever preach and I'm never really seen on stage. I never get to hold the microphone. I'm not ever, you know, celebrated or whatever. Yeah, but if you just steward the people that are in your cell and nobody ever knows your name, greater is your reward. Even greater is your reward. Oh, this is good. This is really good. How many know God sees you? We do what we do for him, not for man. Your lunch may seem measly in your hand but your lunch can feed multitudes and bring God glory when you place it in the hands of Jesus. Like, Lord, this isn't much, but I give it to you. Watch him use that and multiply that. I just fear, I know I, know I can identify with this, that some of us, we want to be teachers and not students. <laughs> we want to be preachers and not listeners. We want to be leaders and not followers, right? We want to be first and not last. But how many know the last shall be first and the first shall be last? I'm convinced there's people in this church, you've never touched the microphone, but you're going to have so much treasure in heaven, I'm going to be jealous. It's, there's, I'm sorry, guys, I feel all over the place in my heart tonight. <laughs> I'm thinking of all the famous nameless. You hear what I said? Okay. The famous nameless. <sighs> Think about that boy. Think about the, uh, the demon-possessed guy that Jesus set free, and he went back and he preached Jesus in the Decapolis. He preached Jesus in 10 cities. <laughs> Doesn't have a name. I'm thinking about the multitude that that you remember these guys, remember they were in the upper room after Jesus had res- resurrected and ascended into heaven, you remember them? Remember how they were sitting up there in unity in one accord, loving one another, worshiping God? How many of the world will know us by our love for one another? So they're in the upper room and they're just seeking God and all of a sudden, Jesus fulfills the promise that was prophesied in, where is it, Isaiah? Wasn't Isaiah somebody or where was it? Joel, thank you, Joel too, my goodness. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit came and, and completely baptized them in the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues, but even bigger than that, they had boldness and they went out from there and they preached the gospel all across the world. Only a few of them had names in the Bible, but there was a multitude who went and shook the world. So much so that people in the book of Acts, when they were talking about those radical, baptized, fire-burning believers, they said, oh, these, were the men, these are the men that are shaking the world. They're turning the world upside down. 
I'm thinking about all these famous nameless people. And, and I'm feeling this question in my own heart, and I guess I'd pitch it to you. Are you willing to be nameless? Are you willing to be nameless? David Hogan one time was sitting with us. Remember, Brandon, where are you? Yeah, man, you remember this? We were sitting in the office with him and Pastor Bob, and he said, you know what your generation wants? Your generation wants money and fame. Remember that? Yeah, he's like, you guys want money and fame. I know that. And now I'm hearing, I'm hearing those words, and I'm like, God, forget the money, forget the fame. I don't want anybody to know my name. I don't, I, in fact, it, it would be way better for me to just be last. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want anybody, um, I better stop. I'm just going to. God will do more with someone wanting to be nameless than he will with someone wanting to be famous. And when we steward well what God's given to us, to make his name famous, he will turn around and make your name great. Believe it or not, in Genesis 12 too, Pastor Bob has been using that verse in quite a few of his sermons lately. By the way, if you're new with us, make sure you, if you haven't heard um, or got to meet our pastors or senior pastor, Pastor Bob's not here tonight. Um, he's backsliding from the Lord, so pray for him that he comes back to him. And, um, I'm joking. I'm about to turn into salt. Um, if you haven't had the chance to meet our pastors, you better, okay? Make sure you come back. Make sure you meet Pastor Shar tonight. They're amazing. I'm so honored to be, I think we all are, amen? We're honored to be able to uh, serve under their leadership. Um, when we steward well what God's given us to make his name famous, we, he will turn around and make our name great. Genesis 12, too, that's what I was saying. When, when God told Abraham, in fact, I'm just going to turn there really quick. I don't want to get this wrong. Don't worry, I'm going to close soon. Calm down. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country. <laughs> get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. How many know he just gave him an assignment? He gave him a talent. And then he said this, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Isn't that something? And who makes our name great? God does. Now, does this look like a poverty thing? Do you think God wants, did he say, I will make you homeless and poor and you won't ever have anything or do anything good because I'm all that you need? Is that what it says? No, not my translation. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I love the Bible. <laughs> I love the Bible. Oh, man. What's in your hand? What is in your hand and what are you doing with it? And what can God do with it? All right, we're almost done. I'm just going to give you this last passage here. In John 15, it's Jesus. He says this, I am the vine. No, no, no. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Do you think he's trying to make a point? I think so too. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Look at somebody say, without Jesus... We can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. All right. What's in your hand? The goal for all of us should be to face Jesus and hear him say, well done. Well done. Would you stand with me? Oh, just close your eyes for just a minute. I pray that God's speaking to you like he spoke to me. Do not compare your fruit or your talents with anybody else. The, the man that was given five talents was equally as impressive to the Lord as the man with two talents. It wasn't about the quantity. It was about the stewardship. That's all it was about. Notice that the master in the parable, he didn't say, okay, you with five, I'm going to give you a certain amount more. No, he said the same thing to both of them. They both got to be over many things, and they both got to enter the joy of their Lord. Your stewardship will enter you into the joy of the Lord. You're like, I just need more joy in my life. Steward well what he gave you. Oh, I've just been praying for joy. I've been praying for joy. Are you stewarding well? Lord, I pray right now that your precious and powerful and your mighty Holy Spirit will illuminate to each one of us here in this room tonight and each one under the sound of my voice online, whether they're watching live or whether they're listening to the podcast. Lord, I pray right now, shine your light on every heart and reveal to us what you have placed in our hands Take a moment and just look. Just look. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Just take a moment. Ask him. Say, Lord, what what did you put in my hand? What have you given me? What have you given me to steward? Ask him. Go ahead. Lord, reveal, reveal, reveal. Some of you, God's planted such an incredible dream inside of you that you haven't shared it with anybody because you're afraid people would laugh at you. And I'm telling you tonight, steward that. Don't hide it. Share it and share it proudly. Steward it. Go after it. Because with whatever God has given you, if he's given you an assignment, if he's given you a dream, if he's given you something to do, along with that comes the supernatural ability to see it come to fruition. He will never set you up to fail. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will make your path straight. Listen to me tonight. Somebody needs to hear this. What's in front of you is a path. You can only have a path if it's first been plowed for you. <laughs> Hello? You, 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 you can only have a path if somebody has first made it for you. In other words, he will never lead you anywhere that he has not gone first. 
Somebody needs to hear this tonight. I don't know who it is. Just put your hand on your heart if that's you. He's gone before you, my friend. He knows where the peaks are, where it's going to be kind of steep. He knows where the valleys are. He knows where it's dark and the light has a hard time getting in. He knows where you're going to have to duck. He knows where you're going to have to jump. He's been there. He's been there. He plowed the way for you. Your job is to walk. Your word, God, is a light, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You want to be able to see the end from the beginning, but my friend, he gives you enough light to just take the next step. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just bless your people in Jesus' name. Lord, I bless your plans and purposes for each one. I thank you for the, the talents that you've distributed to this church. This is an anointed church. This is a mightily anointed church. And God, I just, we thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus so that you could distribute assignments to us to further your kingdom. Lord, I thank you that there are school board members in here. I thank you that there are local politicians listening to this message, future local politicians listening to this message. I thank you that there are photographers in here and listening to my voice that you're going to use mightily. I thank you that there are people in the medical profession that you're going to use to bring Jesus glory using medicine. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just bless every single one. Now, I want you to just, in faith, I want you to take whatever's in your hand. Metaphorically, I want you to hold it out before Jesus like you're going to give it to him. Just like the boy with the loaves and the fishes. And say, Lord, here's my loaf. And here's my fish. It's not much in my eyes. But I know you gave it to me. And I give it to you tonight. I trust you. Do with it what you will. Here am I. Send me. Doesn't that feel good? So Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. Put your hand on somebody next to you, would you? And just bless them like you would want them to bless you. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yes, bless them. Bless their plans. Bless, bless everything that they set their hand to. Lord, I thank you that everything that your people touch touches, it'll turn to gold. Lord, I pray for the motives of our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would reveal anything inside of us that is hindering us. If there's any pride, I pray that you would shine your light on that and we would repent. If there's any sin that we need to confess to you, I pray that we would. In Jesus' name, thank you, thank you, thank you. I thank you that there's no weapon formed against us that shall prosper, not a single one. So we just thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We bless you, Lord, and we bless each one in here. In Jesus' name, and we also pray for all the single people that they'd get married soon. Woo! <laughs> and we pray for all the married people. Lord, help us all. <laughs> Lord, help my wife, not me. <laughs> help my wife. In Jesus' name. All right. Well, can you just hug somebody before you leave? Bless those who persecute you. Have a good night. We love you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.